Hey there, my name is Madison and I'm one of the pastors at Kainos Church in Portland, Oregon. This teaching you're about to listen to is from one of our Kainos collectives. These gatherings happen once a month, typically the first Sunday of the month, and serve as a time for us to worship together and learn from the scriptures. On the following Sundays of each month, we gather in smaller groups inside homes. We call these Kainos communities. Here we share a meal and discuss the Bible together. For more information about Kainos, feel free to visit kainospdx.org. The hope of Kainos Church is that we are people finding fresh and fulfilled life in Jesus. Well, as uh, Justin was saying, um, I, uh, I have the privilege and the opportunity of just coming alongside your leaders uh, for the past few years, and um, it has been such a privilege just to be able to spend time with them. I absolutely love them, so I'm sure for those of you that do know them, you love them as well. If you don't know them, I want to encourage you to continue to get to know them. Um, but I just love what God is doing in the midst of creating different communities and specifically what he's doing with Kainos right now with this idea of a fresh new life and just the rhythm that this church has of meeting in the Kainos communities, weeks two, three, and four, and then you know normally meeting on the first Sunday of the month uh, for the collective and um, you know, uh, I get to oversee a church planting organization for the last 10 plus years. We're seeing a variety of um, communities, a variety of models and how God's working in um, establishing church. I honestly think that this is going to be one of the models of the future because community is such an important aspect. I think people are longing for it. And I think the way that God has this church set up specifically allows this beautiful picture of community to actually take place. Um, I was born in Tokyo, Japan. Dad was in Marine Corps a long time ago. Um, And uh, from there, we went to Iran. And then uh, from there, went to Vegas. It was in Vegas where I started to learn about just uh, the religion of who Jesus is. My mom and dad were uh, raised, raised me in the Catholic Church, so I was raised in the Catholic Church all the way through uh, my sixth grade. I knew about Jesus, but I didn't really know about a relationship with Jesus, and I didn't know about the community that wraps around other people with Jesus. We moved to Southern California uh, when I was uh, 12, and... Um, When I was about 15 years old, I was dating a young lady and she invited me to attend this thing called a youth group high school retreats to learn how to water ski. And I thought, that sounds great. Let's go for it. Um, And when I went to that retreat, I heard for the first time uh, with new ears about who Jesus was. And I uh, I was introduced to the gospel that God loves me, that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for all my sins, but not just so that one day I could go and be in heaven once this life is done, but they actually began to teach me about this idea that Jesus came to give this abundant life here on this earth. And again, growing up in the Catholic church, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know about a relationship with Jesus. And so I, I jumped in 
uh, age 15, both feet uh, from the get-go and just said, I, I'm in and I want to begin to follow Jesus. And what was significant for me was that I started going to this youth group that started teaching me about how to be with Jesus, how to become like Jesus, how to be about doing the things that Jesus does. And then I started coming to a Sunday gathering, an extended church family. And as I was thinking about this topic uh, that I was asked to speak on this morning, I was thinking about this concept that I would not be where I am today if I didn't have community wrapped around me. I mean, yes, I got to know about who Jesus is, but it was through other women and men that took time to open up their homes, invited me into their house, fed me, which was a beautiful thing, and then began to just teach me how to read the Bible. They began to teach me what it means to just become more like Jesus and to be about the things that Jesus wants me to do. And then it was within the extended church family where I was able to learn about gifts and talents and abilities and begin to wrestle with calling and what should I do with my life. And then I had a youth pastor that just walked alongside me weekly teaching me about who Jesus is and what it means to be with him. And I was just thinking about this that I would not be where I am today if I didn't have God's community wrapped around me. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what type of community you've experienced. I don't know where you're at with your journey with Jesus. But when I think about this concept of community, I'm thinking that we all need it. And it is absolutely a significant piece that God has placed in the church so that we can operate. So here's the big idea that I'd like to just share with you this morning. It's this idea that I think it is God's desire for, for humanity to experience life within biblical, com biblical community. I think God designed it, he planned it, that you and I should experience the days that we get to have here on this earth and it is to happen within biblical community. Now, when I'm talking about biblical community, I'm talking about people that are coming around and orienting ourselves around King Jesus and who Jesus is as Lord, as Master, as Savior, and wanting to be with Jesus and to become more like Jesus in our own journey. And then that you and I would actually be the extension, the hands and feet of Jesus out to other people. And when we talk about a biblical community, we're talking about a group of people coming together with that goal in mind. Let me say it the opposite way. If it's God's desire for humanity to experience life within the biblical community, the opposite would be it is not God's desire or his plan for you and I to experience a life of loneliness or isolation. May 6, 2023, Dr. Vikhet Murthy, the U.S. Surgeon General, he released an 85-page advisory declaring loneliness as a new public health epidemic in the United States of America. He says that our epidemic of loneliness and isolation 
has been underappreciated public health crisis that has harmed individual and social health. We're not even talking biblical community right now. We're just talking about loneliness and isolation. He goes on to say, loneliness and isolation can increase your risk for premature death to levels that are comparable to smoking cigarettes every day. A pandemic of loneliness is sweeping the country. It is a health crisis as lethal as chronic smoking. God's desire is for you and for me not to live in loneliness or isolation, but instead to experience a new, fresh type of life, a kainos type of life. Are you with me? That happens within biblical community. If you're familiar with the Genesis account, you know, in all the days of creation leading up to it, do you remember the first time when God said it is not good? He created things, looked at it and said it is good. He created things, he said it is good. When was the first time that God created something and then said it is not good? When Adam was alone. Most people think things kind of went, you know, off the, the, the course once Adam and Eve, you know, ate the forbidden fruit. But God says it is not good for man to be alone. I know we often refer to that within the biblical concept of marriage. But when we step back and look at the biblical narrative, church, it is not good for God's people to be alone. God did not create us to be in loneliness in isolation, but instead intended for you and I to be intentional, to lean in and to go after biblical community. So here's my question for us this morning as we wrestle with this together. In what ways is God inviting you to be intentional to live within biblical community? In what ways is God inviting you personally to step into and to be intentional in order to not only live, but also help create biblical community for others to experience as well. So uh, three quick stops this morning for our time together. I uh, want to look at three different passages. Number one, we're going to look at a foundation of biblical community. Secondly, we're going to look at the example of biblical community and then we're going to look at a call for biblical community. With this question in mind, what is God asking us to do to be intentional to dive into biblical community? Okay? Sound good? Right on. Okay, turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. Now, um, if you weren't here uh, months ago when, when you were all going through the Gospel of John, Madison preached through John 15 about abiding in Jesus. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it if you haven't listened to it already. John 15, actually John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, is probably one of my favorite uh, just group of texts. It's this beautiful picture that you can just see as Jesus is interacting with his disciples. He's talking about relationship with God his Father. He's talking about himself. He's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Just in those four chapters alone, we begin to see that our God is a communal God. 
God our Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, all working together in community. But I want us to just look at John 15 together. And um, I'm just going to let Scripture speak for itself this morning because I just believe God's Word is that good. And uh, let's just look again at the foundation here. And let me remind you right now, and this was mind-blowing for me. Jesus is speaking to his disciples right now. Earlier on, Jesus gave the great, great commandment to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. But right now, Jesus is speaking directly to his disciples. And he's reminding them to remain in him or to abide in him. I'm reading from the New International Version. Uh, starting in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me. Now pay attention to that word. It will be used 11 times. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Pretty self-explanatory. Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, I'm the true vine. You're the branch. You need to remain in me. If you remain in me, you're going to bear fruit. If you don't remain in me, you can't bear fruit. And you can tell he's talking to a group of guys because he has to repeat himself over again. Okay? So in verse 5, he says the same thing. He says, I am the vine. And you are the branches, if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is reminding his disciples, listen, this is what your purpose is, that we would glorify God our Father, that we would bear fruit, that we would show the world that we are disciples of Jesus. And again, his, his emphasis is this, remain in me. You can't do this unless you remain in me. If you don't, you're kind of like this branch that's thrown away, and that's, it's not going to bear fruit for anything, right? But when a branch is connected to the vine, it's going to bear fruit. When it bears fruit, it's going to show the world that we're disciples, and it's going to bring glory to God. So that's the first part of this passage that Jesus is talking to his disciples. And this second part just kind of blew me away when I think about the biblical foundation of community and what Jesus then goes on to say to his disciples. In verse 9, he says, Now, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Okay, so now we're moving from remaining in Jesus, in the vine, and now Jesus is saying, Just as the Father has loved me, I've loved you. Now remain in my love. So, the question I began to ask myself is, well, how do we do that? What does that mean for us to remain in his love? In verse 10, he tells us, if you keep my commands, 
You will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. It's like, okay, so to remain in your love, I need to obey your commands. Then my next question was, well, what's the command? Sorry, I've got a real simple mind, right? And so Jesus said, I have, um, uh, so remain in my love as uh, in my Father's commands and remain in His love. Verse 11, kind of side, side note. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I couldn't help but just think that in a way Jesus was going, you know what, I want you to remain in me. I want you to remain in my love. I want you to um, obey my commands. And here's the purpose. I want you to experience joy. I want you to experience a kainos type of life. I want you to experience a freshness, a newness that doesn't come from a worldly community, but comes from being connected in Jesus and obeying his commands. So in a way, Jesus is saying, hey, we're going after the kainos life. So here's his command, verse 12. I know this might seem simple and basic, Uh, For some of us, but again, I thought it was so powerful. This is my command. Love each other as I have loved you. What's the command? Love each other as I have loved you. Now, church, who's he talking to right now? He's talking to his disciples. He's giving them this reminder and this message. It's like, hey, listen, I want you to experience this joy, but here's how it's going to happen. When you choose to love one another, he's not talking about loving the world right now. He's talking about raising the bar for the disciples of Jesus to be intentional about loving one another. Then he goes on to say, listen, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. And he's projecting the death that he is going to go and step into with the death and burial and resurrection. But also at the same time, he's saying, listen, when you choose to love one another, this is the type of love that I'm calling you to have for one another in the family of God. You are my friends If you do what I command, and I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business, but instead I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Now there's this shift. I no longer call you servants and I'm your master, but now we're we're at a new level of intimacy. We're at a new level of community. Now, now you're friends with me. Because I've made my father's business known to you, you're no longer an outsider, you're an insider, and there's a whole new life for the insider. He says, I did not, or you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. He reminds the purpose of the community, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Loving God, loving people, making disciples, exalting Jesus, expanding the kingdom of God, going and bearing fruit. 
That's what we're supposed to be doing. He's like, you didn't choose me. I chose you. But then he comes back around and he reminds them of the command. He says, this is what I need you to do. This is my command. You are to love one another. Now, I don't know about you, but when I re-examine that passage in context, as Jesus was talking to his disciples, I felt like he was saying, listen, I want you to experience community in a whole different way. And it starts by this. You need to be intentional about loving one another. It just took coming to church, coming to a collective, coming to a community, to a whole new level. Right? Are you with me? It's just like, this this was mind-blowing to me. Jesus was reminding his disciples the importance of biblical community. And then if you read through the rest of the passage, the very next passage is like, hey guys, get ready. The world's going to hate you. The world's going to hate you because you're my disciples. But don't you worry. You love one another because you take care of one another. You help one another. You spur on one another. And guess what? I'm going to send you a Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to be there to help you as well. But it happens within biblical community. So we start with this idea that there is a foundation from Genesis all the way through Revelation Church that we are called to establish a foundation of biblical community. Second stop, the example of biblical community. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I know if you've been part of the the church for a while, you've camped out in this passage, but I, I can't help but just go back to it and just be baffled by the example that we see that's taking place here. Now remember, Peter just got done preaching and there was 120 people and now 3,000 plus people have just been baptized. And then Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, he's telling us what the fellowship of believers, what they did. He tells us in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. All these people were coming together. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings because the apostles were teaching about King Jesus. They were devoting themselves to this fellowship, to this koinonia, to this biblical community where we have a common person and purpose in mind around King Jesus. And then they also devoted themselves to uh, the breaking of bread. Some scholars believe, was that communion? Was that a meal? The answer is probably yes in all that. But then to prayer as well. So we have this example of men and women coming together, coming around King Jesus, learning about the ways of Jesus, eating together and praying together. Luke tells us everyone, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. God was doing miraculous things through this community. Verse 44, all of the believers were together. They had everything in common. Again, we just took the bar of coming to church to being a biblical community to a whole nother level. 
They had everything. They were together. They had everything in common. Now look what they were doing. They sold property and their possessions and they gave to anyone who had need. Now we've got to ask ourselves the question, was that the church selling property and possessions to take care of the needs within the community? Or was that the church selling their possession and properties to be able to take care of the needs outside the church? The answer is probably yes, but let's not, let's not um, miss the importance of that there were people that were devoting themselves, selling possessions so that they could love one another and take care of one another. Every day, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They were intentionally coming together to be in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God and they were enjoying the favor of all the people. Church, when we look at this, we see that there was just this a whole different style, whole different way of living life than just coming to a church service, right? They raised the bar. And then as a result, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Of course the Lord added daily to the number of those who were being saved. You know why? Probably because they were so overwhelmed and so blown away by how the body of Christ and the biblical community were taking care of one another that they were thinking, how do I get to be in part of that? And I was reminded how powerful a biblical community can be when you and I are intentional about truly loving one another. That in itself can be a witness to a world that's searching for the hope of Jesus when they see how men and women and children take care of one another in a biblical community. And so the bar is continuing to be raised. The example of the first century church uh, living within biblical community, I think it changed the world. And I think we have that same opportunity as well. Last stop. The calling of biblical community. Uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I'll start in verse 19 and we'll get to uh, focus in on 24 and 25. The author of Hebrews reminds the, their readers, therefore, we've got wind going. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that's been opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed away with pure water. He's reminding his readers, listen, it's because of Jesus that we're able to come together. So let us then hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promises faithful, the center of our biblical community is Jesus. 
We're going to hold on to that and continue to profess that. And then the author of Hebrews then gives us the call and says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now let's just camp out there for a second. Jesus is the center. The author of Hebrews first and foremost says, let us. Who? Us. You know what that means? It does not mean that the responsibility of creating biblical community falls on the leaders of a church. Let us consider how we may do this. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the invitation and the responsibility of creating biblical community. It is not just a leader's responsibility to do so. It is all of our responsibilities to be on mission to figure out how can we have this inclusive community where everyone is welcome and everyone is taken care of, right? So he says, let us then consider... I love that word. Let us consider how we can spur one another on. That means how can you be creative? How can I be creative on ways that we can go and be part of community? It doesn't mean, I mean, it, it can happen here at the collective. It can happen in the community. But you can be creative, grab some people, go for a hike, go out to the ocean, go surf, Go grab a cup of coffee, whatever it is, but go do it with someone else organically as the body of Christ, right? So let us consider how we may spur one another on. You know what that word spur means? It means we're going to provoke one another. We're going to actually kind of poke one another and be like, hey, are you doing this? Are you on board with this? This is what we're going after right now. This is the biblical community. And I'm just going to kind of come alongside and kind of give you one of these. Like, come on, let's go for this. Let's, let's provoke one another. Let's spur one another on so that we can continue to do this towards love, loving one another, and towards good deeds, taking care of one another and doing good deeds amongst us. And then... For some reason, the author of Hebrews tells us uh, not giving up meeting together. I've got to think that there was this temptation that the people were like, okay, I'm done. But he was writing and saying, listen, you, you got to make sure that we, we continue just to meet together. Because we can't be followers of Jesus in isolation and loneliness. So not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but instead encouraging one another. Coming alongside one another and being like, come on, we can do this. What do you need? I can help with that. Is there something going on in your life? I want to step into it. And so we can be intentional about looking for ways that we can come alongside and just encourage one another. I don't know about you, but I need encouragement. Anyone else? And here's the deal. Sometimes in our life, 
You're doing great. Things are going fine. You're encouraged. And God wants to use you to come along someone else who's not doing so great so that you can pour into them. And sometimes that completely flips. This, uh, you know, this journey that we're on, we just continue to come in with highs and lows. And here's what I'm convinced of, church. If, if God's design and desire is for us to be in biblical community, that means there's an enemy and the enemy is going to try to destroy what's going on in the community and going to try to tempt you from not coming and being part of community. That's going to be one of his tactics. Scripture tells us that the enemy is the father of all lies. That's his native tongue, which means he's going to tell you, you don't need community. You can do this Jesus thing all by yourself. And it's a lie. It's a lie. And so we need to consider how we can spur one another on towards love as we see the day approaching of either when Jesus returns and we get to meet him face to face or we get to go and make that transition. But church, there is a call for you and I to step into biblical community. So let me bring this back around to where we started with this same question. In what ways is God inviting you to be intentional to live within biblical community? See, it comes on all of us. So here's just a few thoughts, a few takeaways for us this morning. Can I uh, continue to encourage you to invest into community with Jesus? John chapter 15, the first passage, all about abiding in Jesus. The best thing that we can be doing for community is centering ourselves around King Jesus. So be intentional. Jump in with Jesus daily, with the word, with prayer, with quiet, with silence, with solitude, but just go and do community with Jesus. Second level, do community with a few people. We, I think we all need to have some people in our life where we can just be just dead honest with of how things are really going. We need two or three people that we can come and just be fully honest with and saying, this is where I'm at, this is what's going on. That you're not going to feel comfortable sharing in a, in a Kainos community, but you would share it in a group of two or three. So find two or three people that you can just get real with and, and, and be honest with and let them know where you're at and what's going on. Third, if you're not already involved, get involved in a Kainos community. It is very much of the DNA of this church for biblical community to be able to live life around King Jesus. And so there are a variety of ways. I think there's three different Kainos communities that are up and going that you can jump into. Um, another one, be involved in the collective, which you already are. So well done. But there's something about coming together as an extended family, isn't there? It's awesome. You get to see one another. So step into that. And then lastly, I'd say this, invest into community, into the world with your neighbors because loneliness and isolation is a pandemic right now. It is an open door for you and I to walk alongside our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, people that are searching for Jesus and we can do life with them and invite them so that they can have a hope in King Jesus as well.
It is God's desire, church, for humanity to experience life within biblical community, for you and I to experience a new, fresh life within biblical community. The question is, what are we going to do with that? So, Father, thank you for this design. Thank you for this foundation of biblical community. Thank you for the example. God, would you use us? Would you start with us? Would you just, would you continue to use the Kainos family just to love one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another, to hold one another accountable, just to be family with one another? And God, would you, would you use this church not only just to be able to benefit us, but also that we might go and bear fruit so that other people would come to know who Jesus is. And I pray, God, that this morning, that with the words that you have spoken to us, may they not fall on deaf ears, but would you give us application? Would you help us to live this out? Would you help us to know, Jesus, what is it that you're calling each of us to today to be more intentional about living in biblical community? We thank you for King Jesus. It's in his name we ask these things. And everyone said... Amen. Thank you so much for letting me come and share with you.